Grace and peace and welcome to all of you on this MLK weekend. We are glad you're worshiping with us, especially if you're here for the first time. We hope you feel warmly welcomed and don't uh, remain a stranger to us, but get involved. Um, there's lots of things in your insert that I will highlight some of today. Um, first, I want to welcome uh, Reverend Terry Woodbury to our pulpit this morning. A lot of you know Terry. Terry spends about, and Eldana, his wife, spend about half of their time here in Denver to be closer to grandkids and uh, I think increasingly uh, to be closer to Montview Church. And Terry has been helping us the last few years with our uh, work on race and privilege. So, Terry, thank you for being here. Welcome to, uh, to Montview's pulpit this morning. Also, uh, Clover sends her love. Clover is um, taking the week to, uh, she, some of you may not know, she's co-authoring a book with Walter Brueggemann, uh, the Old Testament professor, and they have a February 1 deadline for this book, and so she's taking the week <laughs> to get that finished. And so um, I bet she's watching on Facebook, so uh, she sends her love and grace as well. This MLK weekend, um, there are a number of things uh, going on. One, there's a table in the commons if you're interested in joining folks from Montview at the Marade tomorrow. I'm afraid it looks like the weather is going to take quite a dip, uh, but that would be a way to stay in touch for those to, to see if we are indeed going to make it uh, to the Marade. They're in the commons and would love to get, um, talk to you and, and see about how we can all meet, you can meet up at the Marade. Um, and if you want a sign of hope, if you need something just to fill your heart, if you are available Tuesday at 10.30, I invite you to come out to the front steps of Montview Church. There will be children from Stedman Elementary that's in Northeast Park Hill and Park Hill Elementary, just close to here at the church, who will walk together. They'll meet up, they, they hold hands, and they walk all the way to the steps here, and they hear the story about um, Dr. King's visit to this church and a bit more about uh, the civil rights movement. They sing, We Shall Overcome Together. This year, we're doubling the number of kids that are doing it. Almost 300 children will be here on the steps. Um, we've done it for the last few years, and it's glorious. So uh, that's Tuesday at 10.30 if you're able to come. Montview's Mission Life Committee is receiving grant requests for this year um, until the end of January. The details are in your bulletin, but I want to make sure any of you have a wonderful idea or an organization you're a part of um, that would like to apply for a, a grant. Um, that information is in your bulletin. And our mission focus for the month of January is Ipoderac, a home for boys in Mexico um, that we have been involved with for many, many years. And on January 21st, you can come see an award-winning movie about um, Ipoderac. It's a great movie. I've seen it, and you'll enjoy that after church on the 21st. And the following week, you can come hear about a, a planned trip that we're going to take, a mission trip this summer to Ipoderac. So if you're interested at all in taking uh, that week and going and being a part of that, um, come to that planning meeting on the 28th. And finally, um, our own John Kuzma, uh, as many of you know, is a, also a poet, besides being our former minister of music. And he's written a book of poetry, and it is on February 8th. We will have an evening with John where he will read some poetry from his book, sign the book, um, and it'll be a, just a lovely evening, uh, an evening with John. So uh, put that on your calendar as well. That's in the bulletin also. So if you'll take a moment to center yourself in this moment, to sense the presence of God within you, and around you.
as together we stand and sing to God. with one heart, with one voice, let us come to God with honesty as we pray our corporate confession this morning. God of grace, we are capable of such beauty and such ugliness. We are filled with so much love and kindness and so much hatred and fear. Guide us by your grace to seek what is good and true within us so that we might become all you have created us to be. In Christ we pray. Amen. To become all that God has created us to be has absolutely nothing to do with reaching our potential or being overachievers. What it has to do with is knowing who we are, flaws and all, knowing that God still thinks we're beautiful, flaws and all, and then living like we know that. That is to be all that God created us to be. Thanks be to God. Dr. King said, peace is not merely a distant goal that we seek, but a means by which we arrive at that goal.
peace is not just the goal. It's how we get to the goal. And so on the way to peace, let us not forget to be people of peace and let us share that peace with each other. God's peace be yours. up guys hi. hi there how are you good. good so this is Martin Luther King weekend we celebrate Martin Luther King and 
we've been talking a lot about prophets here at the church, and I think Martin Luther King was a prophet. A prophet is someone who speaks a message from God, and I think he had a, a few messages. And one of his messages that he had for us was that we should not hate others or treat them differently because of the color of their skin. He, used, he would help us to think about that, right? That just because the color of your skin is different that you would not like someone. You wouldn't like that, right? If someone didn't like you just because of the color of your skin, right? That would be, be that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird. It's really weird. It's really, it's really, really, really weird. You guys are on it. I think we got our message here. So that was his message. And that has a word, we call that racism. And we, we've been talking about racism um, a lot. That's what it means, is to treat somebody um, not nicely or to see them as different just because of the color of their skin. And so that's that really, really, really weird thing that we're trying to, to get less and less and less of. And I bet your generation's gonna do a better job than my generation has. Jesus used to talk about it in a, in a way and he would say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's a fancy way of saying, do the best you can to treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And that's a really simple rule called the golden rule that if you keep that in mind, when you're in a tough situation, think, if I were this person, how would I want to be treated? And if you guys will do that, things are gonna go really, really well. If we would do that more in our world, it would go a lot better. So can you think about that this week and try to live by that rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay? All right, let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for the gift of the prophets, those who have spoken to us a word from you, and those who have helped us to live by that rule to treat others the way we want to be treated. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming up today. See you, Ellie. Let us pray together the prayer for illumination found in the bulletin. Speak your word of grace and compassion, O God, and may it find its way into our heart. Amen. This morning's scripture reading is Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 20. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. 
Now Samuel did not, net, did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning, then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. Listen to the voice of the Spirit speaking to the church.
Would you pray with me? All loving, all present God, where can we go from your spirit? Where can we flee from your presence? If we go up to the heavens, you are there. If we make our beds in the depths, you are there. If we rise on the wings of the dawn, if we settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide us. Your right hand will hold us fast. Amen. It has been most interesting to me this year to be a part of a congregation that has made prophecy the focus of our year. I'm guessing that very few of us have been in any congregation where there was any focus on prophecy. I've been in a variety of churches for 45 years, and this is the first church that has ever directly aimed at the subject. What does it mean to prophesy? It assumes, by the way, that any of us might be called to be a prophet, any of us. The subtitle that Clover and Ian use regularly is that prophetic faith is living boldly in uncertain times. Living boldly in uncertain times. This week, if you haven't felt the uncertainty, thank God you haven't been listening to the news. (laughs) Hawaii, 40 minutes wondering if in fact the nuclear bomb was headed their way. What if that were Denver? Do you find yourself asking of yourself, am I living boldly in these particular times? Or maybe the question is, who do you look to? If you look around this congregation, can you name who it is invites you to live boldly? Surely, surely there are prophets here. When the Apostle Paul speaks of the body of Christ, we may not always realize he's speaking to this group of people. The ordinary people of the church. And he says that the Holy Spirit provides all the gifts that we need for this congregation right here. The gifts of teaching, of healing, of administration, of compassion, and yes, prophecy. These are the routine gifts that the Holy Spirit grants us and expects that they be practiced. Last week's lectionary readings included Acts 19, when Paul traveled to Ephesus And there he found some believers, some of the early 
Christians, not called Christians yet, followers of Jesus. And when he met them, he said, have you been baptized? And they said, yes. And they said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, what baptism did you receive? The baptism of John. He proceeded to lay his hands on them. And immediately the Holy Spirit came to them as it had to Jesus, as it had to him. And they began to prophesy right there. Interestingly enough, I preached the sermon on that subject last Sunday to a congregation totaling eight people, counting me. Today is quite a bit different. 2,000 years ago, in the earliest of Christian congregations of simple folks gathered in homes, no Bible yet to read, no hired full-time preacher up front, but where, by word of mouth, the practice of baptism had reached them, Paul assumed the gift of prophetic imagination and bold living was present in this group. Surely it is present here. I've experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, preaching boldly, speaking boldly, living boldly, in this place, in this congregation, in the last four and a half years that I've had the pleasure of being here. I regularly find it in the music. The choir, the tremendous accompaniment. Often my soul is reached by that music. I interviewed a few people in the congregation three years ago and asked them something about what engaged them. One person said, I walked into this sanctuary, I heard the music, and I knew I was home. That's why I'm here. The music was prophetically powerful. And then this Advent, as last, but this year even more special, Eldana and I enjoyed each morning a marvelous Advent book of devotions written by one of our own, Pete Hulak. I'm amazed at that booklet. It is powerful. It is a profound walk through Advent. And Pete, you've helped me with a couple of sermons along the way, I should confess. In Clover and Ian's monthly video, intended especially for supper clubs, and I would hope that if you never have, you Google Montview Supper Clubs and listen to their 10-minute teaching each month. This month, they featured the prophet Abraham Lincoln. I checked in the Bible. He's not there. But I was inspired as I heard them describe what made his life prophetic. Especially was I moved when they spoke about that time when he had been elected president and he was leaving Springfield on the train headed for the White House. And he was weeping, crying, 
as he said to people, I wish this cup could pass from me, this presidency, this divided nation, where seven seven states had already seceded the Union. Words of Jesus, Abraham Lincoln, suffering servant, a bold prophet. So it is in this context of prophetic voices that we hear today this extraordinary story of that young boy, Samuel, and that very old deaf man, Eli. To get in touch with this drama of old and young in the temple, can you imagine? Let's use your imagination a little. Ian has just turned 70. (laughs) Fast forward. And he's living on the third floor And in the office next to him, there is a young 12-year-old boy listening. He is Ian's full-time student. That's the scene of this story. Three times in the night, Samuel hears a voice, and each time he goes to Eli because he assumes he's called him. And each time Eli says, no, it wasn't me. The third time he says, I think you better listen. I believe it's the Lord speaking to you. Because after all, he was a young boy. He didn't know the Lord yet. He didn't know who was speaking. And so he listened. But the message Samuel hears is excruciatingly painful. It's a cup he would rather have passed from him. God is condemning Eli and his two corrupt sons because time and time again, they are routinely stealing from the sacrifices brought to the temple by the worshipers. And time and again, they are sexually abusing the women coming to the temple. It's not a new problem, is it? Yes, Eli had scolded them, but he hadn't put a stop to it. And for that, on that lonely night in his bed, Samuel hears God's message that it is the end of the road for his mentor and his two sons. God's patient ran out. The next morning, Eli wants to know what Samuel heard from God. Samuel doesn't want to tell him. I wouldn't either. Eli insists, and with great difficulty, this young boy boldly tells his beloved mentor a very, very painful, inconvenient truth. But today's reading ended on a good note, I hope you noticed. After the death of Eli and his sons, Samuel restored dignity and spiritual health to that temple. And the word spread throughout all of Israel that Samuel was attested a prophet of the Lord. When someone asks me about the prophets in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, I have never said Samuel. 
Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. I can say those. I know even what they said. I did not know this 12-year-old boy was invited and said yes to speaking boldly the word of the Lord. That pretty well eliminates our excuses, doesn't it? Most of you are over 12. I assume you've heard God's voice in this place. I assume you've had a prophetic urge now and again. I was in my first year out of seminary. I was helping to start a new ecumenical church in Kansas City. And I was struggling to stay on course answering to five different denominations. And so I went to a gentleman that I considered wise. He happened to be the conference minister for the United Church of Christ, officed in Oklahoma City. He was a Native American. I don't remember the conversation, except this seems to have been the last word, but it's the word that stuck. And I suspect it's come to my mind 20 times a year. He said, Terry, good leaders are known because they take us where we would rather not go. Good leaders take us where we would rather not go. So it was when God called Samuel. Then as now, God's vision nearly always calls into question the status quo. And so it was then when God called Abraham Lincoln to take his nation, including his own political party, which threatened impeachment. Lincoln took this nation where it was not ready to go. And so it was a hundred years after Lincoln that Dr. Martin Luther King was preaching in this temple, in this place, to this congregation. In effect, he was a voice crying. In the wilderness of Park Hill, in the city of Denver, Colorado, make straight a highway for our God. And a few years after that, Early in 1968, Dr. King was speaking at the church where he was baptized. Remember that, Ebenezer Baptist, that's where he was baptized. He was recalling Jesus' first homily in his church, in Jesus' home church back in Nazareth, when he took the pulpit, as did Dr. King. And King was asked, What in his last days would he hope people might say about him? These were his bold prophetic words in an uncertain time because, in fact, he would be dead within a matter of days. He said this, If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, Tell them not to talk about my Nobel Peace Prize. 
I want you to be able to say, I did try to feed the hungry. I did try to clothe the naked. I did try to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. I just want to leave behind a committed life, a committed life. Indeed, he did. Amen. This time I'll invite those who present themselves for baptism to please come forward. On behalf of the session, I present Cameron and Leah, children of the covenant, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Sisters and brothers in Christ, in baptism God claims us, claims us, and seals us with water to show that we belong to God. Uniting us with Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection, God frees us from sin and from death. You hear these verbs, claims us, seals us, frees us. By water and the Holy Spirit, we are welcomed into Christ's church. So let us, too, remember our own baptisms, Elizabeth and David and Laurel and Brian. Do you desire that your children be baptized? If so, please say, we do. And relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith and to teach that faith to your children? If so, please say, we do. And to our sponsors, our godparents, our sponsors, our close circle of friends and loved ones, this question is for you. Do you promise through prayer and example to support and encourage Cameron and Leah to be faithful Christians? If so, please say we do. Thank you. Do we, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture Cameron and Leah by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ and to be faithful members of his Church? Please answer, we do. Would you please stand as you are able? Let us say the baptismal creed together. In life and in death, we belong to God. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, we trust in the one triune God the Holy One of Israel, whom alone we worship and serve. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. We trust in God, 
whom Jesus called Abba, Father. We trust in the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus our Lord, glory be to the Creator and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, throughout history you have nourished and sustained all living things through the gift of water. From the time of creation to your own baptism in the waters of the Jordan to this moment, you invite us into loving relationship with you. We thank you for the gift of life and for the gift of Cameron and of Leah. As they are marked with this water, seal them with your covenant of presence and of grace. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon them and upon these waters, that this font may be the womb of new birth, giving them the power to do your will and live forever the risen life in Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. What is the Christian name of this child? Leah Grace. Thank you, Grace. Come on up. Leah Grace, I baptize you in the name of God the Creator and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. For you are a child of God. Always will be. Pretty cool, huh? And what is the Christian name of this child? Cameron David, I baptize you in the name of God the Creator and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. You curious? You see it? Yeah. <laughs> Do it yourself? There you go. <laughs> For you, my friend, are a child of God. Yeah, you always will be. Let's go for a walk. See what great love God has for us. That we too are called children of God.
the names Cameron David Bush and Leah Grace Stone are now inscribed in the Book of the Church together with all of our names. Let us remember with joy that God is the giver of all life and knows each of us by name. This candle represents the new life in Christ. It's entrusted to you to be kept burning brightly. May Cameron and Leah walk as children of the light and may God keep the flame of faith alive in them forever. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you into Christ's church to share with us this ministry, for we are all one in Christ. Friends, let us pray. O God, who nurtures our growth, comforts our suffering, and heals our dis-ease, open us this morning to the gifts and wonders of the body, this body of Christ gathered here this morning, the body of this world community we are all inextricably dependent upon and the body of our fragile, frightened selves that so often and so easily feel alone and isolated, even as we bump shoulders along our crowded way. Teach us, O God, to look up and to look into the eyes of the bodies we pass, the stranger on the street, the exhausted waitress with her long hours and low pay, the loved one right in front of us who we haven't really seen for years. Teach us, O oh God, to care for the body of this earth, this body of such exquisite beauty and silent witness that aches under the weight of our ignorance and greed. Teach us, O oh God, to curb our appetites, limit our lusts for the resources of the body earth that it gives so freely. 
And show us, O God, how to care for our own bodies, these holy temples to be loved and respected. Help us to love and respect other bodies, all shapes, sizes, colors. And when they are not respected, O God, give us the prophetic power to speak boldly for justice. For our lives and our bodies are yours, O God. And we want in these few years that we are given that they be used in service and in love. So take our bodies, old and young, weathered and resilient, and lay upon them your hand of blessing this day. Baptize us in your grace as little by little we are held and healed by your love. Hear our prayer and lead us ever closer in your way as we pray together as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you're visiting with us today, we especially welcome you, and for all of you, we hope you'll take the pew pad, the friendship pads on the inside aisle and pass them down. Um, sign in so that we know you're worshiping with us and you can check who's worshiping with you so you can greet them as our ushers uh, receive the morning offering.
together we say thanks for these gifts, saying, God, you have so greatly loved us, long sought us, and mercifully redeemed us. Give us grace that in everything we may yield ourselves, our wills, and our works, a continual thank offering to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. may be seated. Would you take your worship bulletin and look at the front page? Last August, 25 members of this congregation spent a Saturday calling out God's vision for us as a congregation addressing the issues of race and privilege in difficult times. It was hard, good work, and then two teams of four or five people after, and this vision statement was fashioned by those 25 individuals. 
Would you join in this, our closing benediction? To do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with our God, Montview Church embraces deep faith and deep listening, speaks truth to power, and holds everyone equal in God's image, every race and people. So go forth into the world. Be of good cheer. Render to no one evil for evil. Support the weak. Lift the fallen. Heal the sick. And raise the dead. Go in peace. Amen.